Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Awesome Village. This is Roz from Night Court, and joining me is... Ryan. John. Glenn. And Sandra. Hi, everyone. I'm back, and as you can hear, this is why I was gone. Uh, I've been a little bit under the weather, so we'll, uh, we'll go through and you get to hear this cool Batman-y sounding voice. It's not cool. Did Ryan's very concerned for yeah. me, which is quite a uh, character turn for him. I'm not really concerned. I just think you're making the podcast sound like shit. Oh, well, you know. Well, I just want you to sing a You make it look like song. that, so... It's a audio, so it doesn't matter. That's exactly the point. Fucking They've the, you've skated by if you, all this time. Hey, if we create a YouTube thing for us, then I, no, I'd, I'd listen to your argument more. But you know, right now we're just audio. Okay. You rattle this chain. Yeah, they rattle my chain. Yeah. You're gonna say I make something ugly when no one can see anything. It doesn't make sense. Well, you know, there. That's how ugly you are, man. It just goes through the <laughs> airwaves, reaches out across the airwaves. It stings the ears and. Makes him blind. He's fucking doped up. <laughs> this is going well. Yeah, well, you know. Hi, guys. Hey. What's wrong so, with you? Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> like, like, right, like right now or like just, just in I mean, general? However I would, I he mean, wants to answer, I'll let him go away. I mean, maybe it's a therapy session. I was, I I was extremely sick. I was, uh, was out for a bit, and it kind of kept coming and going. And I think after my immune system was down, I might have caught something else. And, you uh, never went to the doctor? No, I mean, I did, you know... Stuff at home. This fucking guy. Corey doesn't go to the doctor. No, man, I do. <clears throat> Doctors cost money, and I, I just bought a house, so there's all that. We have a really shitty healthcare system, so. You should have went to the doctor when you were in Paris. Wow. <laughs> good, good point. <laughs> Would have been a lot cheaper. That was a good comeback. There you go. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what have you guys been up to? Well, we did two. We did a couple of Harrison Ford episodes. Oh. We ate, we ate a bunch of meat yesterday. We did. Yeah, we went did the Texas Day Brazil. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I'm sorry I missed out on that. Yeah. Believe me, I would much, much rather have been with you guys than, you know. The sausage guys kept coming to our table. Those I motherfuckers, were... never when I'm there. <laughs> I think they were looking Lou, for Lou, you. Luann even leaned over and said, they're used to Greg being with us. They keep bringing the sausage guys. Yeah, the, the sausage guys came back a lot. Yeah, yeah it was really weird. I'm not going to lie. It's been a while since I've been there. I mean, you should just go to Fogo now. Well, that, that place is crap. It's the, it's like GoBots. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that's not too bad. Not too bad of a, of a comparison. I mean, it's been a long time since we've been to Texas Day Brazil, but I mean, when I got just a little cup of lobster bisque, I was about to ask you, you added the shrimp, bacon, and as soon as I actually didn't add the shrimp, oh no! But just as soon as I just tasted it, it just it all came flooding back. I'm like, oh yeah. 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 The Celine Dion song yeah. started playing. Yeah, it's it was it was, all, it was, it was the right of two we seen. Yeah. And when you bacon like this. <laughs> <laughs> but me and Ryan did get freaked out because we went immediately oh, yeah. to the bacon, and they moved the bacon to, to like the catacorn. You thought that they had done away with it? Yeah, because you know how you start like on the left yeah. side of the bar? So we started on the left, and we started moving, and then it, the bacon is usually right at the front end of the left side, and the bull, the bull wasn't there. So we made the turn, and the bull wasn't on the right, and I was like, oh my god, there's no bacon. But right at the very end, the bull was there. Did you take out your inhaler immediately? And I was a little nervous. Yeah, I was too. The funny thing is, is I was loading up mine. I, I, I look at John. I was like, "It's still here." He's like, "Oh, thank God!" Because <laughs> he was looking for it too. Yeah, I uh, I did a lot of things while I was sick. Uh, when I had energy, I had little spurts of energy. So I, I did cook a, a wonderful bit of meat that I'll have to make and share with you guys one time. Nice. But uh, yeah, went so, into so you, rabbit you holes. Cooked while you were sick. I would have these random bursts of energy. Um, so I was like, well, you know, I, I can't do much. I'm bored. So I ordered groceries and decided to cook. Did you order groceries on, like, DoorDash? Like... Uh, Instacart. Okay. Gotcha. Like the, the guy from The Bear has all the commercials where he has to <laughs> order the ingredients to the sandwiches. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, I, the one, I usually, it sucks because I usually don't trust ordering meat from, because I needed to get chuck roast. Um, but I kind of had to. It's really hard to fuck up a chuck roast. I just needed three pounds of it, so... Uh, yeah, but it, you know that the actual process of cooking in the heat and everything, I was wiped by the end of it. So luckily, the dish had to go in the oven for three hours. So I just collapsed on the couch. There you go. Well, there you go. Good well, well, we're glad you're back. I'm it's good to be back. Yeah. Good to be out and functioning. Now, if I can get the fucking voice back, it would be glorious. But uh, did you guys talk about this while I was away? There was something that I watched called uh, "Muscles and Mayhem." I think uh, yeah, John, John. I just kind of mentioned it. John talks about, about, about it more now. More I still haven't had a chance to see it. Yet. Yeah, we. Uh, I watched the whole thing. Uh, did, did you finish it, John? Yeah, I finished yeah. it. So we've all finished Muscles and Mayhem. The 
American Gladiators docuseries on Netflix. So let me ask you guys this. When you were kids, how important was this show to you? Pretty important. Yeah. It was fun. I mean, more, I I, honestly, more so like Ryan's connection to WWE, you know, we, we've known for it years. It might have been like the first sort of reality competition yeah, yeah, show. Definitely. I, this is one of the reasons I loved Ninja Warrior when I first saw it was because... Oh, yeah. After I saw the, it, I, I told Sandra, I'm like, I'm not, never thought about it this way, but... Um, American Gladiators walked so the Ninja Warrior could run. Up a wall. That's right. Uh, yeah, I didn't know a lot of, of the stuff that's in this documentary. I mean, I guess nobody really did. Yeah. But uh, it did make me laugh to have all the names come back, like Nitro and Gemini. So Tower. I don't know if you listened to the, the podcast last week, but we found it interesting that there's actually two documentaries that were released within like a month. But American Gladiators? Yeah, ESPN did one on there. No, I didn't get a chance to listen to any of the shows. So, Sorry for that. I wanted to... Um, but we just found it curious, like, why would they release them? Like, well, what's funny is, um, I saw, I was at my, we went to Monroe and to visit, uh, my in-laws and, um, my, my father-in-law was sitting down and he was watching the 30 for 30 about, uh, Bill Walsh. It was on. And when that ended, the American Gladiators 30 for 30 came on. I saw the first few minutes of it and you guys have seen this other one. You know, the guy that they talk about at the beginning who they say was like crazy. who's was like the Elvis impersonator. <coughs> oh yeah, yeah. Like this documentary started and says, well, the hero of our story is... And it was started with that guy. And I'm like, he like kind of wasn't in the other documentary they much. And they, and they just talked about how he was like insane. Right. They talked about him. So about yeah, them. I only saw the beginning of that one, but I was like, I thought that was very interesting that that's a completely different take. I liked all the clips of that pilot that nobody saw. Yeah. The weird uniforms and the different looking events. But, um... Yeah. It, it's really weird too to, uh, to get like kind of an insight, like how TV used to work. Like they went to that syndication right. convention and they did all that, you know, uh, TV's in a very different place now. Yeah, that's right. Everybody's on strike right now. Oh, there's that too. Uh, yeah, this this even if you've never seen American Gladiators, uh, this was very compelling. Yeah, and I will say the former Gladiators, they were all most of the ones that they interviewed. They were all very likable and well spoken. I mean, they told very some, open too. They told yeah. some crazy stories about roid rage and. Is there a female named Diamond? Yeah, there, there was were. One there two. There might have been. There was one of no, it was was it one one of the characters had like three. I think there was two, because there was one. Was it Ice? Maybe that started. At I the think beginning? Ice, yeah. And then Ice left after like two episodes, and then a new Ice came in. And then one changed her name in the middle of the live to tour. Sky. To, to Sky. Sky. And then one post for Playboy, and they said none of them could look at it because they were. It was it was uh, the gladiator in arms. That's actually another thing that I found interesting about it, like how close they really were. Right. Um, there's a lot of. Then one, she became an actress on Jag, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it was the one seriously. That played the Playboy. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Jag. It's a Donald Bellisario production. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I really, really got a kick out of this. Um. And you know, again, shows like this, to Ryan's point, you know, kind of the beginning of the reality. Uh, you know, they, like they—that's one of the things they talk about in it. How the the budget was really low. Like the actors only made like five hundred a week or something. Seriously? Yeah, yeah that's what that's one of the. And then when the merchandise came out, they didn't get any of the merchandising. How did y'all like the guy that was? They said was like the most unlikable contestant. Oh, oh they yeah. Kept interviewing him. Yeah. They kept interviewing him, and he was talking about how he was just kind of an. He thought he was kind of an asshole, but he was doing it, you know, doing it for his family, and he just kept doing like taking cheap shots and stuff. And he was just kind of an asshole. And then at the end, when they're talking about what everybody else has done, he's like, yeah, and I got some trouble a while back. I started, I, I was really good at smuggling people over the border. So I spent three years in a Mexican prison. I'm like, what the fuck? I know. It, it like takes this turn. You're like, oh, you were a contestant. You did all. And then when he says that, he's like, yeah, I was over, you know, over the border. And I love when Nitro went to uh, get steroids from Mexico yeah. and wound up at the border uh, with guns to his head. Yeah. Because yeah. when they came, he's like, just want to let you know. I got a loaded handgun right here, <laughs> and then immediately the, the machine guns were in his face. Yeah. So yeah, I would say definitely worth checking out. Yeah, it's absolutely. Good. And it's none good. of us have seen the ESPN one, so no, just I just saw the very beginning of it. I mean, now that I know that it exists, I probably will watch Plus. it. Yeah, this was what it was five episodes, and they're about thirty-five to forty-five minutes. Yeah, each, yeah it was like easy to fly through. Well, Ryan, how how much of the quarterback did you fly through? So um, Peyton Manning and all his brilliance uh, and his Omaha production company. I guess they're going to start doing, like, uh, sports docuseries or maybe movies for all I know. But this is the first one. Um, it's called Quarterback, and uh, it, the opening is narrated by Peyton Manning, and he freely admits in the opening, he's like, maybe I'm biased. 
but I think playing quarterback is the most difficult thing to do in all of sports. And this docuseries, I think it's like eight parts, follows three quarterbacks during the 2022 NFL season, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Marcus Mariota, and Kirk Cousins. Um, which, when I first read those choices, I thought it was kind of odd, but the more I think about it, the more like, and the more I watched the show, it really made sense. And I can't believe Mariota agreed to it because he's a very private guy. But those three quarterbacks had varying levels of success. Yeah, Mahomes, I can see, right when you said who they were, like Mahomes is like cream of the crop, Kirk Cousins is kind of in the middle, and then Mariota was like bottom. Yeah, and um, it, it's it's a shame too because Mariota is such a nice yeah. guy and he's so likable. Um, but it's real, it's very much like hard knocks, but without the the hoopla of like rookies that you don't even get to really know about past the show because they they usually don't really stay on the team very long. Yeah. But um, I mean, unfortunately, Patrick Mahomes' wife is in it quite a bit. Um, she's a little bit annoying. Is um, his brother in it? He he was in the background. They haven't talked to him, thank God yet. But uh, you know that dude's a piece of trash. In case you haven't known know who he is, just Google Jackson Mahomes, and you'll know all you need to know. I'm not going to go into any more further detail on him, but um, he's one of these guys that likes to brag that he's famous because his brother's famous. He's currently under uh, he's facing criminal charges for sexual misconduct from from a nightclub owner, and there's video of him like basically grabbing this nightclub owner's face and like forcibly kissing her like multiple times like she keeps pulling away and yeah he's a piece of shit anyway uh but this documentary isn't about him right no thank god it's about you know people with talent and ability um so is it sponsored by nationwide no i told you it's football hall productions oh but yeah he does do nationwide commercials they actually talk about that they talk about how um how he manages you know all the stuff he has to film for tv commercials and how he has to manage being a, a dad and a father and also work on, you know, being a quarterback. And some of the stuff he goes through um, to prepare is some fascinating stuff. First of all, like, if you're an NFL fan, this documentary pretty much solidifies that we got a Patrick Mahomes problem. Like, this dude's going to be really good for a really long time. You, uh, I, He's pretty good. I mean, <coughs> last year proved everything to me about him, that the fact that he was had such a – I don't want to say a major injury, but he had an ankle injury that a lot of players would have not played through in many other mm-hmm. sports, and the dude played through it and won a Super Bowl. Um, there's just not many like him. I mean, players nowadays stub their toe, and they want to be out six to eight weeks. Um, Kirk Cousins, cool guy, family dude, um, and so is Mariota. I mean, it, it's a very fascinating look into the, the three of them. Kirk Cousins, like when addressing his critics, he quoted somebody saying, I don't remember the person who actually said the quote, but he says he lives by it. That if he actually walked on water, people would complain that he can't swim. And I was like, that's kind of funny. Yeah. But uh, it's on Netflix. I think it's eight episodes. Um, they're about 45 minutes to an hour. Very easy to watch. So, yeah, give it a shot. Well, uh, speaking of Cousins, I got to watch The Bear. Um, so did we. We finished it. I am still on season two, but John has been talking about this show for quite a while. <clears throat> and as I understand it, season two just ended. Yeah, well, they put the whole thing on at once. They put it out as a binge. <coughs> so, it, so in essence, season two began and ended. And it's easy to binge because it's that good. It's and it's only thirty it's awesome. minute episodes, which is a lot more digestible. Well, like I watched the first season episode, over an evening. Um, there's a Christmas episode that's about an hour. But other than that, they're all about somewhere around a half hour. So, Glenjamin, would you like to take us through the plot of the bear? Well, sure. Um, we we've mentioned it a couple of times, but the bear. Um, Centers around um, Carmine. Um, the last name is Bercado, I think. Berzado. And people call, like, the bear's kind of the nickname of the family. Um, and in the first season, he gets news that his um, older brother, uh, Michael, has died and has left him the family sandwich shop. Um, and Carmine at the time, he's a Michelin star chef working in these restaurants in New York and Napa. And stuff like that, and he moves home to Chicago um, to this little sandwich shop that's extremely um, mismanaged. Uh, the books are all out of whack. The and he's trying to basically turn it around. Uh, season two is about um, the sandwich shop has now been evolving, and they're yeah, and it's being, it's about them creating this new restaurant from scratch. Retraining the staff, and it's just a fascinating look at um, the restaurant industry, and and also this this family and the kind of 
that's kind of the Chicago thing that culture. I think is the, the, the best thing about the show. It is a really cool look. There are people that I know that work in the restaurant industry that talk about how authentic it is, but also just the drama. I think back to the, the season finale when, uh, when Carmi's in like that group and he, he talks for the first time and he talks about his brother. I mean, kind of the entire season, you're not really, you get little bits of what happened. And, you know, you know the background. Mike, Michael's more of a presence until you actually see him on screen. And, uh, you know, to kind of see what's going on with him. Because the show kind of begins in, in progress. You know, things have already happened. He's already running the, the shop. And, you know, it, it's interesting eyes. Uh, and it's kind of all in progress. So it's, was, I, I like the way that the show is structured. I like the way that it's shot. It's really a love letter to Chicago. Yeah. The, the imagery and all of the characters like you you kind of get the the you know the feeling of these people that have been there and been used to doing it a certain way and how they might resist and then what it takes to win them over um it was really nice yeah. and then oliver platt oh yeah he's great you know, almost every character that's in it like evolves in fact there's one that um i told john and sandra that uh, for veronica mars fans there's a logan eccles of this this show that starts out and you absolutely can't stand him by the end. He might be my favorite character. But Does this character get stabbed in the ass? Yes. <laughs> he does. All right. Um, Thanks, cousin. Yes. <clears throat> so, but, no, um, yeah, I, I watched it with Sandra. Sandra, what did you think about the bear? I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, it made me want to open a restaurant. <laughs> um, it made me want to travel to Chicago. Um, I craved roast beef po'boys for a while. Um yeah, it's it's a, it's a good show, and I, I like how Sydney's character is evolving. And um, there's one episode in particular where she goes and she's eating like from different restaurants, like yeah. little bit, little bits from different restaurants. And I'm like, good God, is she eating again? Like you just like, but I know it's all for research, and I get it. Yeah, and... when I was watching with my wife. We said the same thing, and I was like, I was like, I want to know how much did she actually eat, and how much did she spend in this one day? Because <laughs> right? like, she's eating a lot of stuff. Yes. What's funny yes. is, I mean, and Sandra, you know, I've talked about it before, but you watch a lot of cooking shows or like mm-hmm. stuff about food. Yeah. And it was funny because before I started watching this, what kind of made me want to, I, w- I just happened to watch a random episode of Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations mm-hmm. on Max. And uh, it's that, that love of the science of food, but also like just the, what goes into it. Because there's the, epi- the episode I just finished was is with Marcus in Copenhagen. Uh, and him, like you know, w- with Adam Warlock, yeah. Uh, and they're doing all this stuff with pastry, but like the the art that goes into it, along with you know, again the science of it. It's food is an interesting fusion between those elements. Um, and you know, we we're in New Orleans where there's all kinds of food and culture, but uh, this show really is like how do you elevate something like a, you know, a Chicago beef sandwich or a, a Chicago hot dog? Yeah. And one thing I, I will say that it does well pacing wise. <laughs> The show does a very good job of like having an insanely stressful episode, and the episode that follow, it's very like it's a palate cleanser, kind of like in a restaurant. Yeah. That's also speaking of which, and I'm sure you all talked about it last time, but uh, another show that does a good job of that is the Righteous Gemstones. Oh God, it shows great. God, that last episode, the interlude. I'm one behind. Um, I didn't watch the one from last night. I didn't watch the one from last night either. Okay, yeah. The, it was the one from last week. They, it, they do the thing where they go kind of back in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, it was really good. Um, you had brought up um, the science of food and cooking and things like that. Um, Glenn and I's daughter is obsessed with Chef Alton Brown, and she watches Good Eats a lot. And so I tend to watch it with her. And yes, it, it, there's a lot of food science involved. Uncle Greg is taking that child to Paris. <laughs> it's gonna oh, happen. Only if mommy gets to go you too. Can come along. <laughs> so there's this show. If you guys are interested, you talk about you know cooking and stuff. There's a show that me and my fiance watches. Um, it's only on YouTube. Um, the second season dropped. Um, I've talked about Les Stroud, Survivor Man. He does survival shows. Well, he does this new, this other show called Wild Harvest, where he brings Chef Paul Rogalski out into the wilderness with him. And Les Stroud, because he knows about wild edibles and stuff, he will find a theme of certain wild edibles, pick him, pick these edibles, and show. Him, let the chef also pick the stuff and let him get a feel for it or a taste for these different things. Sometimes he's familiar with it. Sometimes he's not. And the chef is basically like left to make whatever concoction he can come up with. And this dude comes up with some amazing things off of just like, you know, just simple things like cattail and all these different like herbs and stuff. It's, it's a really cool show. It's on YouTube. All two seasons are there. I'm going to, uh, since you brought YouTube up, I'm going to give you all some recommendations that our audience can do this too for YouTube channels that involve cooking that you should watch. One is Josh Wiseman, 
who he's got a cookbook out, but he does uh, this really cool thing called uh, But Better, where he takes a popular fast food item and makes everything from scratch and makes it better. Oh, that's a really cool idea. He has But Cheaper, where he shows you how to make something for a really low price. I like that idea. Uh, he, he's really cool. Um, there's also Guga Foods, which he does a lot of is- experiments with. Like He did uh, the macaroni cheese uh, like powder, and he did a steak in it. Um, really fascinating things. It, you got to watch the show. I'm he's, sure he's it's very yeah. interesting. Got, yeah, got a good personality. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, I mean, Karen and I watch Top Chef. I don't really like reality competition programs, but that's. I mean, I've been watching that with her for years, and my daughter loves it now too. She's she's watching it, and there was one that I, I think I might have told you about that. I they had a challenge on it that I thought of Greg immediately. They had to get in teams of two and make three different Wellingtons, and they had to make oh. a meat Wellington, a fish Wellington, and a dessert Wellington. And most most of them use tuna for the the fish would, content, yeah, or because it's most like yeah, a steak. You need a meteor fish. Yeah, for but uh, but I mean, it was just it was like fascinating seeing some of the ideas that these yeah. people came up with. Uh, every year for Thanksgiving at his restaurants, Gordon Ramsay does a turkey Wellington. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and, and speaking of like, we'll we'll put guys' grocery games on and leave mm-hmm. that on for yeah. Hours. You could let that thing play in uh, triple D. Triple D. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also I also like the Pioneer Woman. I know she grates some She's desserts, all, but she, like, she only comes on really early in the morning. She I think. does, yeah. yes. But um, we we DVR all of her episodes, and we'll go back and try to pick and choose. And then a lot of the time, like, I have a few of her cookbooks, and um, I'm always dieting, so like I'm always looking for recipes and trying to figure out sure. how do I make this healthier and use less butter than she does and stuff like that. Um, one that I think of for you because I think you'd love it. This guy Max Miller does a channel called Tasting History, where he oh. does a historical recipe. Um, like he did shit on a shingle from World War II that the soldiers used to eat. More recently, he did a, uh, they found a mural at Pompeii that shows the type of pizza they used to have, and he did one of those, and he just released a cookbook. But there's a lot of really cool, like, twists and things. I'll give you a bunch of recommends. So, so you hear that the, the perfect combination is shit on a shingle and then go see Oppenheimer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, you know, well, what do you, what do you eat for Barbie? Because you've got to watch a double feature. Barbenheimer. Yipes. Um, but, you know, speaking of yipes, the Murdoch murders. Uh, I've, I've talked about this before. If you guys have Macs now and you go on Macs, there's shit that just pops up that may be years old because it's all, like, infused with all the different ch- like services that have been merged to Macs. So I came across this thing called the Murdoch murders, um, basically about this very powerful lawyer family in, I think, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And uh, the youngest son, I think he was in his uh, early 20s. No, he was in his teens because he, was, teens, yeah. he wasn't supposed to be able to legally drink. Um, he ends up getting a shit ton of alcohol, goes on a boat with a bunch of his friends, and because he's an idiot, causes like some massive boat accident, and one girl ends up missing after the accident, and they find her a few days later dead. Um and then just a lot of weird stuff starts happening around this family. Like, like I want to say, like, right after the kid is arraigned <coughs> and is about to go to trial for uh, the, the boat accident, his mother and him are found murdered at the, the, the family's <coughs> hunting cabin. Well, there was another um, a murder that the son was suspected of doing yeah, as well. Yeah, their, their house. Um, they, then later, in a later episode, you found out about a housekeeper that's mm-hmm. all kinds of weird stuff around this family. And it was um, a, a, a kid a on kid. the street. Yeah, yeah. Was, he was just walking um, down the street. So I didn't know this, but apparently, my fiance told me there's a, a documentary on Netflix as well about this. And I started that one. I didn't finish it. But yeah, this family uh, is a bunch of dangerous gingers is mm-hmm. the best way to put it. Like, they, they, are, they are dangerous people. Like this dude, like they're like the Weasleys gone wrong. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's really what they should have called it. <laughs> they're the Percy and Ron's. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's you know true crime documentaries are. I don't want to say like they can be kind of relaxing, but sometimes you find some that are just kind of fascinating, and it's just sort of like I don't want to watch anything else until I finish this, and that's what I was like when I, I found this one on Max. So it, it's definitely a, a well-done documentary series, and uh, it's worth checking out. It's on Max. You can just type in Murdoch Murders, and you'll find it. Well, I mean, you know, from relaxing documentaries to not-so-relaxing documentaries, Sandra, you're here for a very specific <laughs> reason. Tell us why you're here. I watched the docuseries of Shiny Happy People. Um, which, not about R.E.M. No, definitely not about R.E.M., and I kind of, after watching it, I kind of wish it was about R.E.M., um, 
this was very, very disturbing. It's all about the IBLP, Institute of Basic Life Principles community, um, and specifically the Duggars. And I think they brought the Duggars in just because they are a very well-known family with their show on TLC, which I did watch. And I was fascinated by this woman who had 19 children and how she... And counting. And counting, yeah. So I never watched the show. So tell me, like, was it just how they live their daily life with so many kids? Yes. Is there some kind of life principle they live by? Well, you see, Kenneth the Page from 30 Rock had a whole bunch of kids. Like, like, are, really are, they, are they, do they just not believe in birth control or something? I mean, I, I, no, the, the belief in IBLP is that the more children you have, the better you are. Like, the, the more, oh, Lord. like, it, it, it was very, very disturbing. Um, so Michelle Duggar in particular had 19 children and they did, um, and the way she looks at her husband and like when he speaks, it's kind of disgusting, but it's like she just has this your god look on her face like they um bill gothard is actually the one who ran it he was eventually kicked out but um he ran the whole iblp thing for a while and his whole thing was you know how you're supposed to be a husband and a father and how like the the father the husband and father follows god and then everybody it's like three different tiered umbrellas so like god is the first umbrella the second umbrella is the husband and father and the third umbrella is the wife and children and the wife and children are just supposed to obey the father like no matter what he says and so um they go they did talk so shows the duggars did talk shows at first and then eventually there's DLC. certain types of grooming ryan likes yeah, so far i mean I, hey i was in scientology until i got to xenu part so there you go <laughs> so um they uh they were on the Duggars were on talk shows at first because it was kind of fascinating that at the time they had fourteen children. Yeah, I didn't really know much about it, but I remember they were everywhere. Yes, yes, they were very, very popular. Um, so it just goes through, like specifically the older daughters' experience, um, as well as the oldest son, Josh, who was caught, um, who was accused of molesting his sisters. I was about to say somebody's that gonna whole trial. Yes, he's in well, jail now, right? He is now, yeah. yes, but um. Did the dad do abuse? The dad, well, no, the dad, kind of got the first charges of molestation swept under the rug because oh, it was his sisters that his sisters were even unaware that it was happening. Now I don't know if they just didn't know because they were hard sleepers or if they just didn't know because they didn't know any different. But um, they found out when it came out in the media. And so they, it was, you know, some of the sisters, one of the sisters in particular was on the documentary and she was expressing like all of her feelings about all of that. And um, so her dad got that swept under the rug. Then this, the federal charges come out about him having child porn and the dad wanted to, again, get it swept underneath the rug because there are a lot of politicians that back the IBLP. Um, <laughs> that backs the IBLP community. Um, financially so um he was trying to get that all swept underneath the rug and he where did you watch this it's on netflix no sorry sorry amazon amazon Amazon. is it a yes a series it's it's four episodes okay um they do have former iblp members that come in and talk about their experiences as well that's not related to the duggars but um and their stories are just as as disturbing these um the way they do the way they raise their children, they have all these children. So, like, the older girls are responsible for basically raising the younger children. So, as soon as the infant is finished breastfeeding, the mom turns the baby over to the next kid who's supposed to have a person in their group. And so, they have what's called groups. And the older sibling is in charge of raising those kids in her group. Sounds like a cult. It is very much so a cult. And you know me, Greg. You I love, love cults. You should Netflix chill out. and have 19 kids. Yes. I don't want to. I'm not, I just, I don't, I don't, I didn't say I want to be a part of a cult. I just find cults fascinating. Like, I, I really, in, in all seriousness, like, the fact that a group of people can so crushingly believe. Oh, the psychology right? of it is, is something interesting. Without a doubt of, uh, in their mind. It just, it fascinates me that they have no question about what they're doing. And then the fact that there are so many children that yeah, are that's... in this cult. Like, you want to talk about indoctrinating children. Yeah. That seems to be a very buzzword lately. But, like, it's... Check out this cult because it... What's it called? 
shiny, happy people. Oh, yeah, the Holding hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As Creed Brighton says, you know, who's he's been a member of mm-hmm. of many cults, both as a leader and a follower. You have more fun as a follower, but you make more money as a leader. <laughs> right, which is, it, and it's very true, because Bill yeah. Gothard, who was in charge, he was neither a father nor a husband, but yet he's explaining to other people how to be, um, sub, you know, the women and children must be submissive to the father and the husband and all this other stuff. I mean, it was quite disturbing. We should do a, a best cult tournament. I'm down. Like, well, we got to find one that's not too bad, but not too good. You know what I mean? Like, just right. The Goldilocks yeah, like, right? Yeah. of cults. <laughs> there, there's got to be one out there. Well, we, oh, we could do too. We could do an episode where we talk about what we would put for our perfect cult. Like, what would our mythology be and yeah. all that stuff? What would you know? We what rules would we force them to follow? I'm right, I'm or right. we just walk up to you and go, you know, I'm Jesus. Yeah, that's fine. But I want to have cans. We gotta, we gotta put people in. So, theory. full disclosure, I did look up. Uh, I was gonna gag you gift an you an e-meter for you, uh, <laughs> but they don't sell them on Amazon. <laughs> Dude, if you would have bought me an e-meter, that would have been the greatest gift of all time. I'm not giving up yet, just so you know. I just don't want to give my name to I just the find Hubbards. It funny. I, I imagine you and I trying to like audit each other and like, did <laughs> oh, you, you bounced. Did you go exterior? <laughs> Something moved. <laughs> That's some thetans. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Um, so we're gonna cleanse our palates a little bit, and Glenn and I are gonna talk about strange new worlds. Yeah. You guys gotta like talk me back. I just well, I, you just saw the first episode. I saw right? the first one. Oh, season two. Y- season yeah, two. it's okay. It's not bad. I just, I just so is it? All right, so I've heard this was Picard season three so perfect. You're absolutely. That, that, that's probably it. That yeah. You know this, what? Uh, this is kind of a down from the high. I. I I, you're you're you hit the nail on the head. I didn't even think about it because during the whole Picard season three, what did I tell y'all? I was doing constantly. I was watching nothing but Star Trek. Right. I have not watched any Star Trek in in weeks now, and that's probably it. Picard season three was the. It was the. I'm sorry for your loss. No, I mean it's it just like I was on such a high because that show was so phenomenal. Well, um, here's what I can tell you. Definitely watch the the episode after that. You know the the. A couple episodes. This show, it's the opposite for me. Like, this is what I look forward to every week because it makes me happy. Like, it's it, it's a, it's a sense of joy. And this past week's episode, um, it was a comedy episode. Was a com- yeah, like they they do a good job of kind of weaving in uh, sort of dramatic episodes. Yeah. And then, yeah. And we needed first... to come down from last week, right? Because we had the the pilot, the, the the season two premiere, which was kind of like an adventure story. The the second one was like a courtroom drama. The third one was the time travel episode. Then there was the the prime directive, I guess, esque episode, and now um, we had our comedy one. So um, the one thing that I will say that in this season, I, I, I I'm enjoying it very much. Um, the one thing that it's kind of jarring a little because I guess we're just all right. So when the they're trying to make this more like the original series, and the original series was very much the William Shatner show. Leonard Nimoy and DeForest Kelly would pop in, but it was it was the Kirk show. Yeah, you're right. Um, when the Next Generation came on, it was more of an ensemble where you would get a Troy episode yep, or he's right. a Riker episode. And this is kind of trying to meld the two, but the, the thing that's kind of jarring is like when, for example, like there was a La'an episode and she was almost the only main character in it. And that was a little jarring where it was almost like a, a one person show. Do you think they're trying to fit too much into just 10 episodes? Um honestly the answer to that is kind of we're used to a Star Trek fans like 26 episode right. seasons right. and I think you might be right like they're they're trying to give us the same weight to a story with a fewer amount of episodes. I mean, obviously I know with the technology and the special effects they can't possibly do 26 episodes right. a season. But like like you're saying like uh, a certain episode about a character in a 26 episode season it, it works a little bit better where you can have arcs well I mean I this last episode served a couple of arcs really well yeah um, yeah and it, I it think a, that and, and I think you'd like it a lot Ryan because um uh, Pring comes back oh so this is like episode like five or six five I think that was five okay 
And um, I really like the time travel episode too. With um, I, I, there's there hasn't been was, a, the, the first episode is the weakest of the seasons. I think you see the really well, that's I, good to know. I thought the one I, yeah, you see I, thought, I wasn't the biggest fan of the the fourth episode with the memory stuff. It was fine. I, just, I think Ryan's recency to having watched the original series yeah. might make that a little bit more relevant. Yeah. Um, for me, it was kind of the the hook of the shows. I was I was like. Curious as to what was happening. Right. No. Sure. And and I like the features of Ortega's yeah. actually getting a, a lot of fun stuff to play with. Yeah, I, I like that actress that plays her. Yeah. But um, I really liked the Laan Nunian thing what they're doing with her. I, I think that's really cool. And I, I, I say it every time we talk. I got to say it again. Whoever designed the Enterprise for this show should really get some kind of special. Like, they did an amazing job of making it look like a functional ship. Also making it look like the original ship in some way, and also looking kind of new. Yeah, I don't know how they they, they really did an amazing well, job. Well, and, with and it. it's funny because the it's lit like you can see panels. Well, the, the one thing that they actually did that I thought was kind of a a swing was during that time travel episode. There's a um, there's a discussion about because they go into it. There's some timey wimey stuff with the eugenics wars. And there's this kind of time cop or something. That, Eugenics Wars, is that the... The stuff with Khan. That's, I was about to ask and, and, and originally in the original series, it said that it happened in the 1990s. 96. Yeah. And they go, to, they go to 2020. They go, they just, it's just present day? Is it 2023? I think it might be or 2016 or something. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, and it hasn't happened yet. And they said that because of all the time incursions Starfleet's doing, time is pushing back and certain things are happening later than they should have happened. That they happened before. Well, that's interesting that they actually tried to make it a plausible reason. Right, and that would explain why the Enterprise looks different in certain things too. But um, it's it, it's a fun show. It's on Paramount Plus, and Anson Mount, that the his reactions in the comedy. I was episode. I was gonna tell you this, like uh, I was discussing with uh, manager Mikey at work the other day about how Deep Space Nine is our favorite show. I said Cisco's my favorite captain, but Pike right now, Anson Mount's version of, of Pike is kind of becoming a close second for me. Well, because he treats the way that they write Pike, it's more of a family because he has them all over. Like it's like it's, they're almost combining Captain Archer with like Riker in almost a weird right way. They're, I, honestly, what I think that they're they're trying to do and it's working is they're you know that that loss is going to be that much more. Well, yeah, tragic. well, especially if you're familiar with the original series, there's the whole two-parter with Spock. Yeah, you know everything that he does to help his former captain and. When you watch the show, you can. You can see why he does it. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even think about that. Thanks a lot. Because that is going to be really sad if that happens in the show. I've already alluded to it. Well, uh, you know, Sandra, we've we've cleansed our palate, and now we'll decleanse it a little bit. But you can telling us about Firefly Lane. I read the book, which is great, and people say, "Oh, you're going to cry," and I did cry in the first chapter. And I thought that was it. I was like, the okay. The first chapter? The first chapter, yeah. yeah. Well, it was. It starts off where it's explaining the, one of the main characters, Tully, and how, like, her mom is pretty much a deadbeat mom. Like, she dropped her off at her grandma's house and just didn't show up for years. And then she showed up and brought Tully to Seattle to, um, it was during the 70s and things like that. So, um, they're at some rally, no, late 60s, because they were protesting Vietnam War. And they're protesting the war and they're picketing and everything like that. Well, she loses track of Tully in the crowd and she doesn't bother to go check on her or find her or anything like that. So Seattle police finds her, brings her back to the grandmother, and then the book takes off. So I figured, okay, I, I cried. So it's got to get better, right? So is this a show? It, it is a show. It's a book and a show. Okay. And then I'll get through the whole book and I end the whole, the last like three chapters and sobbing hysterically. And, um, so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to give myself a few days, kind of decompress from the book a bit, and I'm going to get into the show. So I get into the show, and the show has a completely different plot line than the book. Oh, that's... And, and who's the star of the show? Katherine Heigl. Oh, you can just stop watching it. <laughs> well, I've got through one and a half episodes, and I'm trying to get through the, you know, you have to watch three episodes before making a decision rule, but it's really difficult You know, the man because... who came up with that rule, he's a smart man. <laughs> he is, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's just not. I'm not jiving with the show. Very where well. where is the show at? On oh, Netflix. Okay. Well, I won't go watch it. 
<laughs> well, one thing that you will watch, and we'll cleanse our palate by talking about this, is what we do in the shadows, <sighs> which has returned for a fifth, fifth season. Oh, let me talk to you. God, that show is just, it's gotten better. Like, five seasons, and like, there's not a single character, there's not a single plot line, nothing about the sets. Everything is just as good as the beginning, if not better. Um, so, I mean, at this point, I don't want to get into this, but basically the, the new season starts where is it, has Guillermo been turned into a vampire or not? Last season sort of left us hanging. Did he actually get bit? We don't know. And Guillermo, the funny, I love how they're actually including the producers more. They're asking Guillermo, and he's like, well, you guys saw what happened. And, and he won't say yes or no if he's a vampire or not. Um, and he decided to probe the other the group about the fact, well, what if I decide to just get someone else to turn me a vampire? And these four morons all of a sudden got really serious. And like, if you did something like that, basically, we'd have to kill you. Because that would be the ultimate disgrace to Nandor. And, and then he'd have to kill himself. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, obviously, I think that's going to be the overarching theme for the entire season. Um, Laszlo <laughs> is, is my best friend. <laughs> Shawnee! Oh, my God. Um, his, his whole... Get, he's, like, uh, getting his sexual intercourse checked out. And he's like, no, you just took a cosmopolitan quiz about which Sex in the City character you are. That's right, and I was Kim Cattrall. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about how Matt Berry says chilequiles. <laughs> Burritos and chilequiles. The, my favorite thing about the first episode, um, and this season premiere, it's right up there with one of my favorites. I thought the episode was almost over when they got to the mall. Yeah. And then it, then it really got funny. I didn't even realize the episode was called The Mall. But when they got there... <laughs> and the carousel. Oh, my God. <laughs> Make this go faster! Yes. Uh, if you are not watching what we do in the shadows, you are depriving yourself of joy. Did Lou get to watch it? She saw the first one. What are her thoughts? Oh, I mean, I haven't talked to a single person who's seen that show and did not love it. Well, uh, the second one, I think one of my favorite lines is, Whoa, whoa, that's an $8 bottle of wine. You don't put ice yeah. in it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's what they do in France. Shawnee was an asshole in the second episode. Well, I love kind of, too, that they're talking about the fact that so much hypnotism is clearly yeah. impacting the brains of everyone. But uh, how about uh, Captain Sully Sullenberger? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I can't say enough about this show. I can't wait. And I will say this. Hulu's a bunch of assholes because I knew they had did a two-episode uh, dump for the premiere. <coughs> so I went on Hulu, and it showed three episodes. And when you click on it, it says upcoming. upcoming. And I'm like, you they fucking pricks. I was like, I thought it was some kind of special streaming just, only thing. My DVR just records it off the FX. Yeah, I mean, that's what mine does. But I just was, I thought, well, maybe this is a streaming special or something. And, and how do you like Colin Robinson? I was about to say, now? yes. <laughs> the worst waiter ever. Yeah. I, I always love to see what they do with Colin Robinson. And I think, like, isn't the season he's supposed to run for some sort of office? Maybe. It wouldn't surprise me. But I agree with Ryan. If you're not watching that show, it's your I can't loss. help you. Now, I just want to let you guys know that I looked down for the film section, and in my hasty scribbling, I read The Klingons of a Sacred Deer, but it's actually The Killing of a Sacred Deer. The Klingons of a Sacred Deer. That would be that would pretty be an amazing. film. Kapla. Okay, guys. So, one night, I don't recall the film I was watching, but it ended... And I happened to just pick up my phone and whatever channel it was on, the credits continued to roll. And uh, uh, the credits finished, and whatever I was doing on my phone, it said, coming up next, the killing of the sacred deer. And I, was, I didn't pay it no mind. I finished working on my phone, whatever you know, status updates I was looking at, whatever the hell I was doing. And then the opening credits started, and it said, Colin Farrell. I was like, okay. And then Nicole Kidman. I was like, wow. And it was like Barry Koenig. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, it's Good like cast. Banshees of Inishirin with Nicole Kidman. So I was like, well, what the hell is this? So I decided to start watching it. Did not know a single thing about it. I don't know, to this day, I don't know when it came out. I think it was in the mid-2016, 2019, something like that. But it's by the same guy who directed The Lobster. So here's what I can tell you about it. 
Barry Koenig plays a young kid who, when the movie opens, he's sort of just like hanging around Colin Farrell's character, who's like this doctor. And kind of like in Benches of Inishary. Yeah. He's not a doctor. But he's a doctor. He's just hanging around him. So basically, uh, as the story progresses, you find out the reason he's hanging around him is his Barry Koenig's father died. And he believes that there was something that went wrong in the surgery to save his life. And he thinks Colin Farrell was the cause of it. And he, I guess, feels some kind of confirmation because Colin Farrell has sort of continued to bring him around and gives him gifts and welcomes him to, and, and ma- lets him meet his family and stuff. And I guess at some point, because it's not really explained, but he must put a curse on Colin Farrell and his family. And he basically tells him, like when his youngest son all of a sudden gets up one day and can't walk. And they bring him to the hospital and Barry Connick basically tells him, look, Here's what's going to happen. Every member of your family is going to not be able to walk. They're not going to be able to eat. They're going to bleed out of their eyes. And then they're going to die. And the only way to stop this from happening is you got to pick one of your family members to die. And you got to kill him just like my father died. And that's the movie. And it goes from there. And let me just tell you, if you think that's weird, that's nothing compared to having to sit through this thing. Isn't this from the people that made The Lobster? Yes. Okay. It is. Have you ever, have you all seen the lobster? I have not. I've heard My fiance watched it, and she was not a fan of the lobster. No. No. Oh. And I was watching this movie, and about thirty to forty minutes into it, she was like next to me, but she wasn't really watching it. She was like sort of you know on her phone or iPads, and she's like, "Are you enjoying this?" And I'm like, "Not really, but I got to find out what happens. I can't stop." So I grinded through it, and uh, let me just tell you. It's got amazing performances. Obviously, these are all amazingly talented people, but that movie is not something... It's not Mother. Let's just put that out there. Um, it's not that good. It's not that good. I can't recommend... I would never recommend no, this to not, anyone. No, it's not as good as Mother. That might be the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. I'm not going to lie. The more, We talked about that at the dinner the other night, and I don't know how it came up, but... Because uh, we were... Me and Sandra watched um, the hot ones, you know, the wing thing with Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, yeah. And yeah I heard, I heard yeah. she talked about how she had no idea. Yeah. It, it, well, then, and she... At the end of the movie, she hyperventilated so much that she cracked her diaphragm and broke something in her body that still bothers her to this day. She she ripped her diaphragm, tore her diaphragm, and cracked the bone, the rib bone above it. That movie still bothers me to this day. <laughs> you know, I love to disagree with you. You've never been more right in your life. That is the worst movie I've ever seen, ever. But anyway, uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer... Uh, it's not a good movie. I will say this. I wasn't necessarily bored. Like, I really wanted to know what was going to happen. It was weird. The dialogue is really, really strange. Like, there's a scene where Barry Koenig is sitting in uh, Colin Farrell's... Are they in Ireland? No, they're just in the United States. Okay. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe England. I don't know. You don't really, they don't really say. But there's a scene when, like, they're in... He's sitting in his, his kid's room with his older, like, teen daughter and, a little, and his little son... And the daughter just like, oh, yeah, I got my period the other day for the first time. And I was just like, what the? I was like, is this something that kids talk about like that freely? I'm like, what the hell's going on? And there's constant conversations. Can't talk about that in Florida. Uh, yeah. There's constant, like, dialogue like that that is off the wall, not, like, conducive to, like, a normal discussion. It's a weird, weird movie. I would probably give it a four based solely on performances. But as a film, I can't recommend anyone ever watching that. Well, Ryan, I'm, I aim to make you uh, agree with me again um, because I watched Evil Dead Rise on, on good old Max. Okay. I haven't seen it, so I don't know. <clears throat> you should it. give it a watch. Did you watch the, the other Evil Dead movies? I think Glenn showed me Army of Darkness. I didn't show you Evil Dead 2. I've only never. I, the only one I haven't seen is the original Evil Dead. I've seen Evil uh, Dead two, seen Army of Darkness, and I saw the remake. Isn't of one of them like a serious comedy? One of them a serious horror. Uh, so, so, they, 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 so yeah, the original Evil Dead was a pretty dark horror movie with no budget at all. Evil Dead two, they brought in some levity. It's still a horror movie, but there's some silly com- comedic it's, stuff. It's kind of a remake of the first one, though. Yeah, it? well, it's a fun, it's kind of a funny joke that um, the company that financed the original one didn't give them approval to do a sequel 
So the like cold open of Evil Dead Two, they redo the entire first movie in ten minutes. <laughs> um, so, but then and then you know they do Evil Dead Two and there's more comedy. Army of Darkness is a flat out comedy. That, I've seen that. Yeah, and then um, they had the show, the Ashford. I never watched it. I never did watch it either. And then there was the remake, which was pretty good. And it was pretty scary. Uh, and yeah. it was the Evil scary. Dead remake. I watched it a little bit. That was scary. It was yeah. scary. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is like that. <laughs> Um, it basically follows uh, two estranged sisters who have this reunion. Um, basically, one of them is is like a, she travels with musicians and things like that. And you kind of learn very early on in the movie that she's pregnant and she's basically coming to her sister to kind of you know seek some help. But when she arrives at the apartment building where her sister lives, uh, the sister and her children are there, um, and the father's not. The father has left, and they can tell there's some tension there. Well, uh, throughout the course of the beginning of the movie, uh, there's sort of like some bad weather and things that happen, and this building that they're living in is built over this old bank, and part of the floor collapses and one of the kids falls in, and they're in this bank vault, and in the bank vault is the Necronomicon. Oh. Um, and that spirals into them, you know, kind of taking it, and within there, there's also these records. Um, now, they're not really reading the Necronomicon, but the kid, one of the kids, plays the records. He's obsessed with music, or she's obsessed with music. Uh, plays the records as you know to kind of see what's on them, and of course that's going to start all hell to break loose. It's the record nomicon. Yeah, well, pretty much. Well, that's what happens in Evil Dead Two. They play the recording of them, so yeah. they're bringing in some stuff from the old movie. Yeah, it's it's, uh, and you'll get a lot of that in this film. Um, it takes place majority of it within the apartment building. Um, over the course of any of a night, um, the performances in it are really good. Uh, some of the things that that happen in it—it's uh, a truly terrifying film. I really, really liked it. My wife and I watched it, and we're like, "We need to recommend this." She liked it. She really liked it. And honestly, I—the reason I didn't see it is I thought it looked absolutely terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I said. Yeah. I was like, "That looks so scary. It doesn't look entertaining." Um, it yeah, it's it's it, it is entertaining. You'll you'll definitely get a kick out of it. I would actually give this like a seven and a half. Well, I know you don't like torture porn, so this wasn't in that realm. No, it, it's got a good enough. It, it's gory, but there's enough of legitimate story. Suspense yeah, I got, got and, you. Yeah, and things wrapped up in it. It, it. It's a nice, good, terrifying horror movie. Yeah, just in the trailer when the, the, the whole your mommy's with the maggots now. I couldn't. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> check that. But I'll I'll, I'll I'll take your recommendation. Man, the trailer broke Glenn. <laughs> I, I I can agree with them. Like I, that's kind of, but. The opposite for me, like the trailer was like, I'm like, this is going to either be really terrible or might be really good. Um, but definitely, I do recommend you guys watch that. And moving on, let's talk about 65. So I saw this. Um, <laughs> so um, I remember seeing the trailer for this. He at, sounded so happy. In, in the theater. And um, I was very intrigued. And I just, it came and went. And uh, it was just, I think this week it was released on um, on Netflix. So, sat and watched it. This film um, stars Adam Driver. He plays uh, Mills, who's a, um, uh, like a spaceship pilot. And I forget the name of the planet he's from, but they, they mention the name of the planet that he's from. And he's got, he's married, he's got a, a daughter. And um, he uh, pretty much gets offered this job because... Um, his daughter's sick and he needs money for a surgery and he gets offered this job this two-year gig where he would have to pick up this uh, plane full of uh, refugees who are in cryosleep and transport them from one planet to the other and he'd get a lot of money so he um, kind of doesn't want to leave his family for two years but he kind of can't turn down the payday so he he takes the job and um, in the middle of this trip he encounters a random uh, asteroid field that was no one really knew it was there. His ship is severely damaged and it crash lands on a uncharted planet and um, most of the ship is it's severed in half and a lot almost all like the um, cryopods go everywhere and uh, first he thinks he's the only survivor and then he finds a young girl who survived her her cryopod didn't crack and it was she was okay and um, the thing that I did not know about this film that they say I'm not it's I don't even think it's a spoiler because it's the first scene in the movie when the title comes up and it says 65 it says 65 million years ago a visitor traveled to earth 
So this is Earth 65 million years ago. I figured that from the dinosaurs. Yes. So, um, so it's um, this pilot and this young girl who doesn't, they don't speak the same language. Uh, she's, her name's Koa. She's played by um, Ariana Greenblatt, who's pretty good in the movie. Um, she almost speaks with a, like a Native American dialect. And there's a, um, there's a ticking clock because they look up in the sky and see this asteroid up there. And the computer said there's a catastrophic event coming. And they have to get to these, it's 15 kilometers away, the rest of their ship where the escape pod is. So they have to navigate 15 kilometers before this asteroid hits without being killed by dinosaurs. And the, the T-Rexes and the Velociraptors are, are stalking them through the, the forest. Um, this movie is extremely simple. It's pretty much just the two of them. There's some flashbacks to his family. Is the blind dinosaur with the Freddy Krueger claws in it? I would, that would have made this movie much better. <laughs> that stupid dinosaur. <laughs> the one that just bitch slapped. So. But um, I wish that dinosaur was in this. Um, this movie's fine. Um, it's directed by um, this guy Scott Beck, who is a screenwriter of um, The Quiet Place. Um, it's... Um, kind of style over substance because there's really not much to it they're just trying to get from point a to point b did it start on netflix like it was a streaming movie no it was at the theater it was at theaters yeah um one thing adam driver uh did mention that before he was an actor you know he was in the marine corps and this is the first film that he was in where he was actually able to like handle like weapons like actual weapons that weren't lightsabers oh about to say that's the ultimate weapon yeah so um, I like he, Adam Driver. He's and, really and, good. Yeah, he, and he's very good in this movie. It's almost all him. It's I mean, the little girl's with I, him. I mean, I want to check it out just because of that. Yeah, and um, the effects aren't spectacular, but they're fine. Um, the movie's really short, too. It's only about... It's a little over 90 minutes. Always a fan of that. Yeah. Um, it, like I said, it's fine. Um, you know, it's on Netflix. Uh, I think I'd probably give it a six. I'd recommend it, but okay. kind of just barely. Okay. I, I had fun with it. It's, uh, like I said, it's just, it's kind of, you know, after watching some of these kind of giant convoluted plots to sit down for 90 minutes and see a very simple movie where someone's trying to get to point A. I know point what you B, mean, yeah. Some dinosaurs chasing him. He's got a cool, like, kind of sci-fi gun. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah, it's on Netflix, uh, you know. Well, as Robert Wool said, six is good. Yeah. You know, eight is enough, but six is good. The Drop, Ryan. This is another movie I stumbled across. This, I think, might have been one of James Gandolfini's last films. Um, uh, I don't know when exactly it came out. Um, but I had never seen it. Uh, it's with James Gandolfini and Tom Hardy. Um, they play, like, bar owners. Um, and basically, is it? I think it's Boston, where there's this crime family that um, every night they sort of, like, take the, the earnings of, I guess, all the crews and they funnel them and all the bars and all the money basically gets funneled to one bar location for the drop where everything goes to this one particular bar that waits to be picked up every night and the bar no bar knows that they're going to be picked to be the the drop spot till like that day that's the whole premise of the whole thing and um from there you get some interesting story into tom hardy's character where he's very very mild-mannered he, he's just a simp- seems like a simple guy but as the film goes on it's sort of like a tame version of a history of violence is how I would describe it because yeah. John you saw it yeah um, and uh, it's like Tom Hardy's character is sort of like turned away from the life he was living now he's just trying to live a simple life one night he's walking home from from work and he hears this weird noise coming out of a garbage can he opens the garbage can up and there's a puppy inside that's been beaten so he like what the hell so he, he this woman comes out from the house she's like what are you doing she's like i just found a puppy and so she's like what and all of a sudden it spurs a relationship between her and him and the dog because he's like well we gotta take care of the dog and sure enough the asshole owner of the dog actually comes back and he's like a criminal and he wants the dog back and he wants like a crazy amount of money for the dog and he basically tells him that He's just going. He's got like some kind of microchip implanted in the dog to prove his ownership. Yeah, that, that's a thing. He'll go tell the police it's his dog, and he's the one who beat it and took it, and, and all this different stuff. So, it does a good job of establishing villains, establishing the world building, 
but it's really slow. It's a really slow burn. Really slow burn. It does have a satisfying conclusion, I'll say that. Um, but if you happen to just, you know, want to, um, you know, have a feeling of nostalgia about James Gandolfini in a role you may not be as familiar with, about how good he was, and I can't say enough about how good Tom Hardy is in this movie. I've never seen him in a role like this where he's not like some smart ass sort of badass dude. He's very low key in his performance. Really, really good. Um, I'd probably give the movie like a 6.8. It's 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 very well acted. Um, it's just a little slow. It's, it's a little been a really bit long time since I saw it, but I, I feel like that's probably yeah. It's a very slow burn, again. really slow. But the movie is not great, but the performances are fantastic. Speaking of slow burns, Elemental. Yeah, so um, we we brought um, Felicity and um, our niece and nephew to go see. Uh, and, and John saw this last week. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, John saw it last week. So uh, yeah, we went and saw it this week. Um, the uh, my sister, her kids were in town, so we were looking for something to do. It's hot as hell outside, so we're like, let's go to the movies. So um, we all went and saw Elemental. I and you know, John talked about kind of the plot. How um, it's kind of been immigrant story about um, a family from the fire town moving to Element City and the um, you know the, the, the fire people are kind of ostracized because they're the only element that can't mix with the other ones because they make the water evaporate and they burn the trees and the, you know upset the wind people and um, anyway they open up this little like bodega I guess this little shop where they sell food and coffee and stuff and it's a uh, the the main, their daughter, kind of meets this um, water person, and they well, develop. He's the water. He's an inspector. Yeah, he's a yeah, he's a city inspector. City inspector. Yeah, right. and they kind of develop a relationship, and it's a, just a it's a very simple film. It's animated beautifully, um, and I think this is the story that people need to see right now because it's a lot about society, like people embracing their differences, and um, it's just. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and our kids loved it. We got home after, and they were they were playing Elemental. They mm-hmm. were arguing who was um, what was the, the the character's name? Ember. Ember. Yeah, who who wanted to play Ember and who wanted to play Wade, and so it was it was really cute. And the other Wade thing was, in the water. Yes. They 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 all have element and related element names. Names, yeah. Yeah, because with the parents are um, Cinder and uh, Bernie. Bernie, that's right. But um, <laughs> it's really really cute. It's so the, cute. And the, the the sports team that they have for the the air people are yeah. the, the windbreakers. That's right. <laughs> Spoiler alert! I think that Luann probably loved this. I don't. Did she say? I don't know. I if don't, she saw I'm not sure if she saw it. I know in um, her Facebook post she said she cried. Oh well, then oh, she, well then I guess she, she did. She saw it. Yeah. But um, I mean, and, and one thing I will say that this film has that I was happy to see return. There was a short in front of it. Oh, yeah. good! And it was a sequel to Up, and it was the fat, the final performance of um, Ed Asner. He played, you know, he came back and reprised his role as Carl, and it's about Carl going on a date. Oh my God! And That's I, probably why Luann cried. It's, it's the sweetest. Thing. Well, I'm not going to see that. It's it's good. It's, it's really good. Cute. That's yeah. gonna make that's gonna ruin my whole day. It's, no, it's very cute. It's cute. It's just it's. That's, I, got, I got a little emotional. Of course you did. But, but it's very sweet and it's very cute. It is very cute. The dog, oh the man. Dog makes it. Yeah, the dog is really. Just, oh just, my god. Freaking Pixar in their shorts. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I would uh, I'd probably give Elemental. I don't know, maybe about an eight. I really like yeah, it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well. We've done a lot today. And now it is time to nominate this week's Awesome Villager. Gentlemen and lady, who are your nominees and why? Well, my nominee is a beautiful vampire. Fuck you, I was going to do that. <laughs> so yeah, I got to go with Mr. Laszlo himself. He <sighs> just brings so much joy every time he shows the up. the character or the actor? I guess I got to go with Matt Barry. <laughs> okay. He is pretty funny in other stuff, but... Um, I mean... Toast of London, I'm looking at you. There you go, so that's my pick. I was going to say Tom Cruise because I thought we were going to talk about Mission Impossible, but Greg skipped over that, apparently. <laughs> I thought we were waiting until we all saw it. I don't know. We can do Okay, so... Um, I, I, don't, I don't have one on the top of my... Top so, of my so um, just um, just to let y'all know, me, oh, John's the only one in the panel that has seen Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, Dead Reckoning Part, Part 1. one. Uh, by the, uh, uh, the next regular episode, not feature episode, more of us will see it, and I promise we will discuss Mission Impossible. So uh, don't worry, Bruce. It's coming. 
I mean, John, do you want to talk about no, it? No, I mean, it's, well, it's, just well, say, it's better it, when it's a conversation. It's, did, it's did, excellent. Did you like it? It's excellent. Okay. Yeah. And and I brought the parents to see Indiana Jones, and they loved it. Yeah. All right, I guess I'll go next. I'm going to nominate Adam Driver. Um, again, 65, I thought was... It was a flawed film, but it was fine. He was fantastic in it, and he pretty much was the only person in the movie. And um, to have this kind of movie with like effects and you know, kind of a, a suspense thing, and you're pretty much by yourself with just you know one young girl that kind of doesn't have any dialogue. It was all on his back, and I just think he's a really cool actor. I like the um, you know Star Wars. Beside, he's chosen some interesting projects in his career, and he's got the coolest like baritone voice. Anyway, so I'm going to Adam Driver. I'm going to go with, and I'm probably going to butcher this name, so I apologize, Eben Moss-Bachrock from The Bear. He plays Richard, and you want to severely dislike his character through all of season one, but season two, he just makes a complete turnaround, and you just, like, I like the way Glenn put it, that he's like the Logan Eccles of of The Bear. Um, Absolutely. You kind of hate him in the beginning, but you learn to love him, and I think... I'm really excited to see what his character is going to be like in season three. All right. I'm going to nominate Harvey Guillen, who was, you know, Guillermo in, in What We Do in the Shadows, because he's kind of, especially these first two, he was kind of the main character in it more so than the others weren't in it as much, because it's, it's more just going into what has maybe or maybe not happened to in him. In the shadows. In the shadows, exactly. So I think he's, he's killing it on that show. Well, since Ryan took my nominee, I'm going to go with Jeremy Allen White from The Bear. You know, I've heard, I, again, I've heard from John and I've heard from several people how uh, an amazing show this is. And, you know, I've seen him on Shameless, seen him in, in several other, the, the kid's massively, massively yeah. talented. Um, and he anchors the show. Uh, all the other characters are really great, but I don't think you really have the show without him. Right, absolutely. I was actually torn between him and... There you go, I got you. Yeah, there we go. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you have to vote for someone other than your own, who would it be? Adam Driver. Jeremy Allen White. Matt Berry. I think I would go with Jeremy Allen White. Yeah, Jeremy Allen White. Okay, Lip, come hang out with us, man. <laughs> and I've, I've told my wife, yes, I was like, I know it's it's been it was a lot of seasons, but she's got to watch Shameless. And I'd have finished Shameless. It's, I fin- it's like, so good. Yeah. Because because uh, Fiona leaves the show with about two or three seasons left, and Jeremy Allen White basically takes over as the main character. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just it's so good, and it's so. It's just so funny and fucked up. It's just all the stuff they get into in that family. Well, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this to you guys, but uh, one of the shows I did actually finish while I was convalescing was uh, uh, Afterlife. Yeah. How great was that? Great show. Great show. That, that ending. Did you cry? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So make sure you're a human, that's all. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Glad you found out. <laughs> all right. And remember, there are many places to find us. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, really. But you really do help us out when you listen to us on Spotify we're podcasters. And can I just chime in? Chime in. Yeah, on social media, follow us at <clears throat> The Awesome Village Podcast. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and now Threads. Nice Threads. So, um, yeah, get, follow us and uh, give us a comment. You know, let people know we're out there. Even if you think we suck. Yeah. Well, I dare you. Bring it. Yeah, Ryan will fight you with a broken pool cue. Absolutely. All right. Well, it's been a great one. This is Ross from Night Court. Ryan. John. Glenn. And Sandra. We will see you next week.